Fraternitas Esoteric Nerd Podcast, Episode Fifty One, in which I interview Scarlet Magdalene, also known as Kirini Ariadne, but her real name is Beep. But first. Today's episode is brought to you by Cause and Effect. One, cause could be defined as emanation. It could be defined also, for purposes of communication, as source point. Two, a potential source of flow. Three, is simply the point of emanation of the communication. Cause in our dictionary here means only source point. Effect. One. Receipt point. And what is received at the receipt point. Two. Potential receipt of flow. This coming Saturday evening, I will be interviewing Jonathan Sims. Director and virtual reality specialist, among other things. Ironically, it was his work for Anonymous that got him attention. For six years, he remained anonymous to avoid retaliation from the Church of Scientology. Unfortunately, this is audio only, so you won't be seeing the Guy Fox masked Max Headroom bouncing around the screen, nor the Guy Fox masked suited men smashing the TV with a sledgehammer at the end. World leaders do not necessarily possess the tools to lead. And that's where determined individual Scientologists come into the picture. Hello, leaders of Scientology. We are Anonymous. And we hope you are having as much fun with this as we are. As you know, we are still here, and with every passing day, your failure, your failure, to account for the fraud and abuse exposed by our campaign becomes more evident to the media, to our government, to the media, to our government, to the media, to our government, 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 and to your own followers, lawyers, the BBC, CNN, the London Times, Fox, the Associated Press, Forbes, and a legion of local news agencies have chosen to communicate our message about your organization to their viewership. And now the world is listening to us and 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 watching ching 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 you 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 and how the world is listening to us and watching you. The mechanism behind the phenomenal ease with which we have achieved this is simple, simple, simple. We are speaking the truth. Your efforts to handle this condition are as predictable as they are expensive for you. This pleases Anonymous and we encourage you to continue waging your informational war against truth. At great expense to you and at no cost to us. We approve of these conditions. We approve of these conditions because within them defeat is impossible. Our campaign has been one of constant success. And yours has been one of constant failure. This will continue. Evidence of our victory is everywhere. We are certain that YouTube and Google appreciate your handsome patronage now necessary because of the ubiquity of our message. Unfortunately for you the hundreds of thousands of dollars you now spend every month because of Anonymous cannot change your organization's history of crime and abuse of human rights, nor alter your organization's policy encouraging criminal behavior which are now all available to the public. 
Your lawsuits to censor these documents will continue to fail at great cost to you just as your attempts to pay our peaceful demonstrations as terrorist activities have done nothing but foreground your tendency to abuse the judicial system to suppress free speech. Defections at every level of your organization will continue to increase. By now you have most likely experienced the cognition that every action we take deprives you of at least one of the three following things. Capital, client's credibility. These conditions will continue to exert their pressure upon you and your superiors. The disorder will continue to deepen. We have changed the rules of the game. Growth of the magnitude required to maintain your organization in its present form is no longer possible for you. Your ability to seduce the public has been destroyed, has been destroyed. Your survival has long depended on your capacity to suppress the truth of your abuses. And that ability is now gone. We have removed it. Leaders of Scientology, the data has spoken. We are a cause you are at effect. Expect this to continue. And thank you, thank you, thank you for playing the game. And thank you for playing the game. Sorry, I'm a huge fan of Anonymous. Jonathan also wanted me to make it clear that this is one of many things that he's done. We will be discussing everything from Jesuits, Sweat Lodges, Wicca, Tarot, William Burroughs, Alan Moore, Insane Clown Posse, Google's Deep Dream, Virtual Reality, as well as David Bowie and Oblique Strategies. But for today, we'll be speaking to Scarlet Magdalene, possibly the only person that I know to have undergone the Abramalin work. Look forward to hearing about that, as well as some other subjects. But first, let's bring in our co-host, Joe Shans. In the divine name, I hail, I invoke thee. Hello. Hi there. How's it going? Hello. It's going great. Happy, Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. What a weird dream that was, huh? Yeah, you know, it, I I love dreams about the sea and about, like, sort of diving. Um, you know, they're usually, like, really peaceful dreams for me. Like, what was it like for you? Well, Janie thinks that it's about sex whenever I have a dream about the ocean. She's kind of got a Freud oh. thing going with the ocean. But I okay. don't I don't know if it's necessarily true, but it might be. But I think that a lot, like I mentioned in the episode with Sal, whoever heard the whole thing, heard me go on a rant about how everything is sex. But, uh, well, yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was well, just so, because people don't know what we're talking about. I had a dream. I woke up from it this morning. As I was waking up, I had just told... I was with Janie. She was next to me. To my, She was to my left, and we were in the back seat of a van. There was a woman driving. It was a stranger. It was almost as if she was a Lyft driver or Uber driver. And I said, uh, make a right turn here. She made a right turn, and there was a good, solid... 
oh, I don't know, 50 feet or, or so between where she turned. And it was clearly like a launching ramp. For in, you know, it was going into the water. Uh-huh. It just went straight into the water. And it was a very urban area, so there weren't any fish. You mentioned, did you see any interesting fish? But it was, no, there was just cement. You know, you could kind of see some concrete from, you know, once you were mm. underneath. But it was just clear water. And I got the, you know, when you asked, I was like, no, I don't think any fish would go there because there were so many things of man. But now that I think about it, well, you, you do see one or two fish around, even when there's a lot of bridges and things. But that was the impression that I got. But the, 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 the important thing was I wasn't upset or afraid. I was laughing and looking at Janie, and we were almost as if, like, to say, oh, now we get to have this experience. This is something we never thought we'd live through. And, uh, and the woman who was driving wasn't really panicking either. And I didn't feel like I w- was worried that, I mean, because she clearly made the mistake, even though I told her to turn the wrong way. It wasn't my van. You know, it, but it, we were all like, is everybody cool? Okay, so I opened up the uh, door on my side, and I reached out and grabbed the driver and grabbed Janie and made sure everybody was, uh, you know, safely going up and yeah. out of the van. And then I crawled out of the van, and I watched it plummet down into darkness, and it didn't seem to have a bottom. And I floated up to the top, and I was safe. And then I woke up shortly after. It was very powerful imagery. You know, I think that's really interesting because I think that, you know, people talk about a lot about the symbolism of, like, that there's some sort of canonical symbolism from a Jungian standpoint. And I think that that's probably true. But on the other hand, I kind of feel like the, the intent and the emotion behind that dream also really matters a lot because, you know, you could have the dream where it's like, oh, my God, I'm going to smother in this water and I'm going to die. And that's a whole different thing than what you're talking about. Right. I was I confident we were all going to be fine. Yeah. It was just like, oh, well, so much for the van, but it was not my van. (laughs) But it was a big, I mean, thinking about it more abstractly, it was a big, bulky, heavy thing that we were letting go of so that we could rise up to the surface. We were, I was opening up the door and letting everybody out. So our natural, you know, lung, you know, buoyancy would, would cause us to rise up and not drown with the van. So yeah, it was, it was very interesting. It just seems, seems to go in line with some of the the chunks of, of uh, debris that have been coming off of my soul since you and I have been working together. Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, I almost think that, um, you know, I'm like, I'm such an Uber Libra. Like, I've got like, I don't know, six planets in Libra or something crazy like that. Yeah. And I, I always have dreams about like being in planes and like just even traveling across the street. Like, I always end up being in a plane and go figure out. And I always kind of attributed that to like, well, maybe it's because I'm just this crazy air sign, and that's just the way it is. I heard, um, <laughs> I heard in, in listening, I heard myself not listening to you when you told me that story yesterday, or the day before. You yeah. were telling me about <laughs> flying from one house to the other, and I'm like, yeah, oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh my god, is that how I sound when I'm pretending? It was like uh, Adam Sandler on autopilot in the movie Click. Yeah. <laughs> but I had a, I had sort of a good reason because I was like, okay, she's telling me to bring her in, and then and then we transition to the interview. But uh, yeah, yeah, I never claim to be perfect, you know. I think that's that's kind of a key element is coming on here and saying, hey, I know nothing, you know. I I went through this this really flaky school, you know, this version of what we all kind of have in common. We all being you know, Boda and, and Thalamites and Scientology and anything that can trace its roots back to, you know, a certain spare bedroom. Oh, but I love, you know, the thing I love about Scientology is that people don't, don't really know its roots, that it really came from, um, 
Oh my god, I can't think of his name. I totally Jack Parsons. Blanked. Jack Parsons. Yeah, yes, the guy who started Jet Propulsion Laboratory and invented solid rocket fuel, which we still use. The guy got us to the moon. Well, between him and that guy Von Braun. Uh, that, I mean, honestly, I would have loved to have partied with Jack Parsons. I oh, think hell he yeah. been so much fun. Oh, man. Those were the days. Oh, right, It was right over here on Orange Grove. It was just a, a, a couple miles from where I'm at right now. If anybody doesn't know what, the, what, what we're talking about, I recommend the book Sex and Rockets. You should just yeah, I know. get brilliant. it on Amazon right now. Just get a used copy. and It's a real quick read. You probably won't be able to put it down as soon as you start reading it. If you're but, you know, me. if you think about it too, like this, the really sad thing is that you know, you think about Scientology and all its authoritarianism, and Jack Parsons was really the opposite of that in a lot of ways. And and to think that like really like you know that Scientology distilled its views from that kind of freedom and craziness and fun and whatever is really sad. Yeah, that's it's interesting. Really depressing. That's an interesting yeah perspective on it. Yeah, well, he came from a naval background, so he was bringing maybe he was he was bringing his well his eventually megalomania that started to he hadn't really seen it maybe you know but when you think about what what he became and then you look at how he and Jack Parsons started working together and Jack Parsons looked up to him as a sci-fi author yeah. and he kind of ingratiated himself into his group and became Jack Parsons apprentice and then next thing you knew he was stealing Jack Parsons boat and his girl and you know rewriting everything and inventing Scientology so it was like did he do that on purpose did he go in there to like take what Jack Parsons had and then Jack Parsons basically killed himself and you know yeah. died on heroin uh either he accidentally blew himself up or he did it on purpose one or the other yeah but he was he was very interesting there were there was video of him and his mother and their dog all making love in various ways uh, among... <laughs> I, I don't recall that that That's was jack hysterical. parsons not not That's hubbard. hilarious oh my hubbard's God. teacher yeah but yeah but like but, but you know and hubbard like is the whole like oh i was the secret naval thing and we, i i discovered this black magic hole that's like oh f off like you you totally were in it you know don't don't <laughs> yeah, pretend yeah. That you he went to infiltrate yeah that's what it was. right <laughs> infiltrate <laughs> okay looks like scarlet's ready and uh oh, good and so uh without further ado let's get to that interview shall we Greetings, Soar. Welcome to the Esoterra Nerd Podcast. Hey. How's it going? It's Scarlet. Yay. Woo! Hey, Scarlet. <laughs> How have you been? Pretty good. Yourself? Good, good. It's been a few years. Yeah. So what's new? Yeah, we spoke earlier and you told me that your temple has changed since we last spoke. Oh, well, <laughs> since we last spoke was... 13 years ago, <laughs> something, like, something that. like that. Yeah, yeah. Or at least in depth. <laughs> Not to mention I'm living in a different place. Oh, yes. That's yep. always, that? Things always change, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. But, um, Boston Strong. Boston Strong. Woo, you're in Boston? Yeah. Oh, you see the, do you ever see Gold Stash? Golden Stash? He's a graffiti artist, graffiti art thing. 
No, I don't know anything about it. Oh, keep an eye out for uh, it, it's it's just the outline of like a 1970s looking dude, and he's got a golden mustache, and it says uh, <laughs> GS, and he's going to be um, probably t- in in two more episodes. He's going to be the guest on the Esoteric Nerd. Okay. Apparently, okay. he's a fan. <laughs> nice. Okay, so I have to say, so honestly, Scarlet is probably one of the most famous people that you've had on the Esoteric Nerd podcast. And I have to ask, Miss Scarlet, like you, you are out there attracting freaks for days. Like, what is up with that? <laughs> um. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I have to say, probably is because of a few things. Uh, number one, I am interested in a variety of. Um, unusual topics and mm. those unusual topics tend to attract unusual people. Yeah. <laughs> I also have this tendency to basically um, open my mouth and stuff comes out and <laughs> I'm that way in person and I'm that way online and uh, it's definitely <laughs> a prominent part of my personality. So I think that the two combined tends mm. to do that yeah but i love you know yeah. i love that about you though because like you <laughs> say a lot of the you like you you're you're so outspoken and you say a lot of the things that a lot of us think like i i'm like I, i'm totally with you like i i can't think of anyone else in in sort of our world that that them kind of like whenever you say things like yeah i was thinking the same thing but i didn't say it and you did <laughs> yeah i it's kind of funny. I I grew up with a mother who encouraged me to speak my opinion because she grew up under the exact opposite circumstances. So she made a point of constantly asking me, well, what do you think about this? Well, what do you think about that? And after a while, she didn't have to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> You'd volunteer the information. Yeah, it's 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 part of how I was I was raised. I was raised in an environment where it's okay to have an opinion but at the same time also respecting the opinions of other people the two don't two don't necessarily always go hand in hand i'm a fan of your picard meme yes (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck are the golden dog people fighting about now yeah Uh, yeah 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 what the fuck good times good times good times So many good times. I can always just pop up that meme just randomly. Like, I wouldn't even necessarily have to even be tuned into community, and I'm not anymore. I could just do it, like, randomly. I could have been set to a timer, and people think, oh, my goodness, how did she know? She knows. She yeah. knows. And it'll be you know, it, true no matter what. <laughs> did you ever see Death Becomes Her? Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. So it's kind of like the whole Golden Dawn thing for me. It's kind of like that. It's like the support group. Goldie Hawn? Goldie is in it. And she starts to like say the words, like, I forget the the, um, the woman's name, but where, where she actually, it's like the word Golden Dawn and like everyone starts to freak out. I'm kind of like one of those people in the support group, like one of the random people that like starts to scream when she says the name. So whenever you put that meme up, I'm like, oh my God, I can't even deal. Like, what are they ta- like? Seriously, there's another war? Like, I can't even deal. I can't even. Yeah. Are, are you back? It looks like we lost you for a sec. Yeah, that was weird. I'm oh, good. okay. You're good. Yeah. 
So we were going to ask you about the Abramelin work. Ooh, that's always a good topic. I'm no, it's funny. Not as uh, familiar as I ought to be. People would assume that I'm more familiar with well, it than I am because of the Mathers thing. So I got yeah, and I'd love to ask you like, what was your inspiration for starting? Because it's such a it's such a meaty piece of work where you're like really going to be committed to it. Like, what was your inspiration? You know, it's it's kind of funny you asked that. Um, I it's I went underwent a very difficult and traumatic time some years back, and it was one of those things where something that was incredibly magical, incredibly miraculous, just completely just mind-blowing, just uh, one moment it was fantastic, and the next it was just, it just turned into just a literal nightmare that lasted a while. Mm. And for a number of years, I took the time and basically just uh, got myself back together. I did a lot of good things, did a lot of good work, um, but I still felt like I was still struggling in certain areas and I reached the point where I was, I was taking stock and thought to myself, you know what, I've got nothing to lose. I need to do this. And I just felt very drawn mm. towards doing it, getting it done, getting my shit together, getting it in gear. And I approached it with the mindset of a couple things. One is that I was going to fuck up. No matter what I did during this operation, I was going to fuck up. I had to go with it with the attitude of no excuses, getting it done, not being perfect, and being okay with that because, hey, you're human. That's kind of the deal. Right. Uh, There's a lot of misconception out there about this particular operation. Things like, oh, you have to retreat away from the world and quit your job and blah, blah, blah. And it's just... (laughs) And most of these things are just, and I, I ask this, but like, have you even read the text? Because it even says, like, you know, it, there's some hints in there, and, you know, and basically you translate it, you know, you, you take a look at it and go, oh, yeah, it's, you got a job, you, you need it to survive, yeah, you're yeah. going to do it around that job. And that's me, you know, it's um, like many people in the modern world, yeah, we have jobs, we can't quit them for six months, 12, 12 18, whatever months. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do my best, and I figure, you know, I'll approach it, the whole idea with one of three things. Number one, if I fuck up, I realize I fucked up, it's something I can correct, I go in, I apologize my angel, like, yep, I did that stupid thing. I learned from that stupid thing. I'm not going to do that stupid thing again. I'm sorry for doing that stupid thing. And then there's a second part of, you screw up. You don't know you screwed up because you're ignorant, you're stupid, you're a human with your with your squishy human brain. That's the other type of screw up. You know, you, you mean well, you're human, it's going to happen. And then there's a third kind, which is you will never be perfect. You will never be able to get it done under perfect circumstances. You have to go in with a no excuses attitude and say, you know what? I wait until I'm perfect. I wait until I'm ready. The right circumstances. I'll never get to do it. I'll be six feet under. It'll never happen. Mm. So I, I, and I, when I started doing this, some people suggested to me, you know, I'd, I'd love to, you know, hear a bit about it. And that's how I went up actually starting my blog, which actually got a lot more attention than I was expecting. I had so many people who, uh, they messaged me or they emailed me privately saying, oh, this has really inspired me to get back into the work. I've been kind of lazy for a bit, but I, I've been feeling really inspired, and I thought to myself, you know, that's maybe it's a good thing that I kind of um, 
stuck my neck out there because I, I think a lot of people just just don't you know some of them try to do that whole retreating from the world thing but the thing is I, I think a lot of people need to to realize when they go into the Avermelon it's it's going to be what they need it to be where can we find that blog ah um, I actually wound up quitting it um, it originally was over at um, runningtheveil.com but uh, that site has been very flaky so I actually wound up uh, copying the entire thing and posting it over to a website which I uh, recently got the domain name for. It's called uh, alchemicalmusings.com. Alchemicalmusings.com. Yeah. Cool. Now, for those of us, who, myself included, who haven't read the text, um, I was kind of like, did you ever have one of those classes where you kind of coasted by with C's because you paid attention halfway <laughs> in school, yes. but you never did any of the homework and you didn't read a single word of what was – that was me on the Golden Dawn. So <laughs> <laughs> I somehow – That's awesome. They made me a teacher. I just would make shit up. I mean everybody knows my class. The burn the dog class. I mean come on. Yeah, but they were so inspired. <laughs> they were really good. I loved your classes. But what yeah. was – what was uh, what are some of the main bullet points of the Abramale? Work. Okay, well, it's in three different phases, and basically, it just each phase gets more intense as it goes on. Mm -hmm. um, phase one is basically it's the learning phase. It's the phase where yeah, you're going to screw up, and you're going to learn from it. It's going to be great. You're basically just dipping your toes into the water. I, I, I consider it the, basically the prep period. Second phase, you're getting the hang of it. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm actually doing this thing. Third phase, you're you're basically you're buckling down. Um, instead of uh, doing the ritual twice a day, you're st you're also praying at noon. Um, I have to retreat into like the bathroom or some other private space or whatever while I was at work. Um, I have I have timers. Uh, it gets more it gets increasingly intense, and basically you're you're just you know gradually turning up the alchemical heat. So it's a cer um, a particular ceremony with divine names. You know, it's funny. Um, when I originally did this, I expected that it was going to be a lot more um, complicated or involved. The ritual itself is insanely, ridiculously simple. Hmm. It's beyond simple. And one of the things I learned about it was that, okay, this, is a, this whole illustration is all about doing these little things, and these little things are building up over time. It's not drastic it's not um oh my goodness i must do this elaborate long ritual in order to get elaborate results it's very much a you know you know you could be you could be doing the prayers anywhere between you know five minutes half hour um it would vary because you know my days would vary sometimes there'd be more to you know discuss pray about whatever um, so it was very, it was very free for me. The idea was that you, you went in, you, you did it from the heart. Um, obviously, you know, if you came in from a Christian or a Jewish background, uh, there's more, um, uh, formality there. There's a lot more, you know, you know, you read these prayers or that prayers, but one of the things, uh, you know, um, Abraham says in the text is, you know, I, I give these examples of things you can do, but you really need to pray from the heart. Mm. You can't just go in there and be, you know, and just, you know, blah, 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 you know, and just, you know, read like, you know, it's it's not really you. You're just, you know, trying to impress your angel, which right. you probably know, and anyone probably know, even people who haven't done the Abermelon know, that's going to be a whole lot of horse hockey. 
<laughs> yeah. So you're better off going in. I mean, I, this is just sort of an off the cuff like statement. Yeah. Like it, like some in certain situations, you're better off going without a script and just saying whatever comes to mind. You know, speaking sincerely to your higher genius rather yeah. than being on script and making sure you're pronouncing everything correctly and then in the end experiencing nothing. Yeah, I mean, you bas you had basic tools. Um, it was very, very basic. And you went in, you had, you had this whole setup of how the temple was. I had my own temple room, and it was almost perfect in regards to uh, the setup. Um, part of it was uh, the original text was up and having a, a window, and, uh, you know, in the east, and blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't have a window in the east. I have no windows in the east in my entire house. So um, I just faced east. It would like a lamp. On um, the days that you know, the day that require it, I would also like incense. Um, that's another thing. Is uh, as time goes on, you're you're always lighting that incense. And for some reason, I couldn't be in my temple room. Um, I was traveling. I had something going on. I I didn't know excuses. I would you know I actually would do things like you know I would pull over my car. I would do wow. it. In my, yeah. Um, I basically kept to it, and the idea was. I would rather do this imperfectly than not at all. You just get it done. You just no excuses. Just 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 do it. It's nice. not perfect. It's better than not doing it at all. So I remember there was one. Uh, I was going on a. I, I forget how many days in a row doing a particular ritual at 3 p.m. So at one point I was in an airport in the handicap stall with all my tools in my briefcase and setting all this stuff up and drinking a little wine out of a little vial and stuff. And then I had to go through the security checkpoint. <laughs> and the it's not like what I did, believe it or not. In fact, at one point I actually um, I got the brilliant idea of um, getting these little um, – Quartz crystals, sticking them in the different uh, corners of the temple room, having them having the main one on the the altar to my angel. So for some reason, I was traveling. I had to be somewhere. Couldn't get out of it. I would actually, you know, I would be able to take these crystals wherever I went and just kind of almost basically reconstruct the room, so to speak. Right. So I was staying in a hotel. Again, with the no excuses, there I was. There I was with the crystals, and I could just. Okay, here I am. I'm setting up the space. You know, I'm still, I'm still doing the thing. Yeah, that's really clever. I love that. You know, and I gotta tell you, like one of the things that really inspired me, um, just about you personally, because I've, I've got like you know occult trading cards, and like you're like the one that I won't give away. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, honestly, like you were so out there with your experience, and I always felt like there were things that I did. So I trained for Ironman and I actually did Ironman Canada just because I wanted to do it. Very cool. And, you know, through the process, like I always had like one primary coach, but I wouldn't talk about my experience with other people because it was like, you know, everyone had an opinion. Everyone had an opinion about like, oh, you should do this nutrition. Oh, you're doing that. Like, that's totally wrong. Like, what's wrong with you? And I didn't want that noise in my head. Right. And like, but you were really out there and you really opened yourself up to a lot of criticism for the work that you did and and like I'm just kind of curious like like you did that with such courage like did any of that noise like affect you during that time or did you just say you know what I'm blocking it out I don't hear you but I'm I'm opening myself up for the world so that people can actually do this yeah it's kind of funny because um I hadn't it was sort of a combination of things I, I hadn't planned on getting so much 
um, attention from it, but at the same time, I, I did feel compelled for whatever reason to at least put something out there. I obviously didn't post everything. I didn't post, you know, there's a lot of intense personal stuff that I went through that mm. did not make it online, that only I kept my own personal private journals offline. But, um, Based on the responses that I got and the sorts of replies I got from people who just, um, you know, I, they had all these, again, they had so many conceptions about this ritual, and uh, I was I was kind of happy to at least not just inspire the people who came to me and said, oh, you know, I was so inspired, I've been getting back into work again because of you, I really appreciate it, but also at the same time, reach out to people who thought that this ritual could only be done in a vacuum, in a cave somewhere, away from society, had to be of a particular religion, blah, 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 blah. In France, in the 18th century. So many preconceptions about it. And I said, well, you know what? Instead of going out and reading some person's account where they completely just, you know, dumb down the whole thing to the point where it's no longer Abermel and you're basically just doing a meditation or whatever and poof, you have your knowledge and conversation, um, actually approaching the standpoint of, hey, this is the modern world. Uh, anybody can be able to do this. It doesn't matter what, what faith you come from. I came in from a obviously polytheistic perspective that definitely colored the right. Um, it was definitely a very, very different tone. Uh, in the Golden Dawn, I know we talked a lot about, you know, that, uh, and even just other esoteric orders, the idea of a current uh, reach now and make it a connection and it flavors what you're working with. Very similar deal. Mine was definitely flavored by that and I'm sure my experience as a result was different from you know, other people's experiences coming from a different background with the Christian, Jewish, or even the original author's account, especially when it comes to things such as um, you know, just overall attitude towards deity, mm-hmm. uh, things that you personally need to work on. Obviously, everybody has their own different flaws, their own different strengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are, people's egos are in different shape. Some people coming in perspective of, you know, they desperate, you know, there's some things that they, you know, need to be, you know, beaten into their head to the point where, you know, their, their ego needs to take a beating in order to get it into their head. Whereas some people may come in where it's more like, Actually, what you really need desperately is some sort of healing experience while you also get opportunity to reassess and, and rebuild and reconnect. So it's a, it's tailor-made for you. They're really, I don't think there's any one definitive, this is the way it has to be. Are there any like dietary restrictions or fasting or anything like that? Yes, there is. That is an excellent question, and there is. Um, the text requires you to be vegetarian. Okay. I was overqualified. <laughs> I finally joined the club. <laughs> and it also September. recommends that you abstain from alcohol. I very, very rarely had alcohol, and I was extremely strict about that, especially once it came down to phase three. I only partook of it when it was part of a religious ceremony, and that was it. Right. I'm so surprised because I thought you were like you were you were an aspirin of uh, Dionysius. Dionysius. <laughs> you know, there's a funny Sorry. story with that. And um, now remember, I've 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 got a very interesting um, patronage, as, as as a lot of people know. I have the Apollo, I have Dionysus, and you know, of course, it's Hermes. And my thought was, you know, I am 99.9 percent certain that this whole vegan thing came in from Apollo. 
And I actually picture the two gods kind of duking it out with, you know, Apollo being all, yeah, I really like that idea of ritual purity. I think she'd be great as a vegan. And Dionysus going, oh, but she's a maidon. And then like, <laughs> they try to go back and forth. And, and then finally, you know, um, either Apollo or maybe even Hermes come up with a suggestion of, hey, have her be vegan, but just make her an even cheaper date. Instead of a one glass of wine drunk, <laughs> make her half a glass of a wine drunk. That's make funny. Make her even more accessible. Yeah. <laughs> and then they shook hands on it. And now I'm vegan. And now I'm an even cheaper date. <laughs> awesome. Love it. So that's how that one is. In fact, actually, I've been vegan now for... Um, over 10 years. Nice. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I do find that the dietary thing really makes a difference. Um, yeah. You know, there, there, there are times that I go, like I'm, I'm in a, a phase right now where I'm doing the vegan thing and it really does elevate you. And I, I think that a lot of people that, that have, haven't tried it yet. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really interesting experience. Cause you don't have to like, necessarily just go vegan for the rest of your life but i think that it just going that route just for the for for a particular moment does really help i found yeah. personally yeah i used to when i was doing the eastern orthodox thing i used to be vegan for uh for lent and for the nativity fast and i was kind of always toying with the idea of moving toward that and then i over a cu couple years built toward it and uh so i'm kind of in the mode of from here on out vegan at least it it works for me but uh but i've got i'm stuck on those trader joe's tofurkey with uh the the veggie medley in some olive oil mm. that's like my go-to meal but i have it all the time i have that three <laughs> times a day so do you guys Yum. like since i've got two vegans on the line could you each offer me uh something i can do with some ingredients from trader joe's or whole foods or something oh goodness well talking to a <laughs> farmer's foodie. market i'll go to a farmer's market <laughs> First of you were all. talking to a serious foodie. Not to mention the fact that I'm really spoiled living out here in Boston. We'll make We've it magical. Magical. Ice cream parlors. We have bakeries. <laughs> We've got restaurants. They deliver to me. Oh, yes. goodness. It's just, it's terrible. Pizzerias, this entire menus. I could have things like Calzone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And I always talk to people who think, oh, being vegan, that's just so healthy. And I'm like, you do realize that things like fries and Oreos. Oreos, yeah. Veggie yeah. rolls cool. <laughs> yeah, you can still so, just be a junk food junkie and be, yeah. yeah. I mean, I could give you recommendations on pretty much anything in regards to vegan. I mean, if you want to go healthy route, I could give you recommendations healthy route. If you want to be like, oh, healthy, yeah. Oh, I want to. I'm trying like, for healthy. Well, and maybe naughty. You know, there's those soy ice cream sandwiches. Well, I love quinoa with um. If you if you do like these uh like uh, so here's the healthy version um. Like red pepper, red, yellow pepper, because they, they're really full of nutrients. Mm. Uh, but do the quinoa, and then um, black beans, and you put in um, some nice. You want some acid, so you want like some, not LSD, but like <laughs> LSD option. Uh, but like you know, like a lemon or a lime, and you like squeeze it on, and like you, but you add a little bit of sweet, so you can like either do like a stevia or like sugar. Or honey. I like honey, maple like raw syrup. honey is nice. I'm, I'm off honey. Um, but like that's really nice because you get like the really like you get crunchy, but you get the protein of the quinoa and nice. you get and the, the beans, but you also get like you get like everything in there. 
that's like my favorite go-to. Thank you. That sounds <laughs> lovely. Yeah, we do like a stuffed pepper rice thing, but that, I like I like your idea. We're gonna try that sometime soon. How about you? Do you have a good recipe? I have Just many. One. I've actually did something similar to that, except it was quinoa, black beans, and salsa. Hmm. Very very simple. Ooh, and love that. Um. A couple other go-tos I have. Um, I am very fond of uh, taking tofu, pressing it, grilling it up, um, adding things like turmeric, garlic, mm. onion, and it becomes um, basically kind of like an egg patty. And what I'll do is I'll I'll grill that up. I'll have some English muffins. Um, Ooh, stick that, that in, a, in a toaster with a slice of tomato. Um, some baby spinach, a little bit of veganaise, and um, so basically like egg-free, egg-free mayonnaise, basically. And put that together. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll either add a little bit of avocado. I might add like a little bit of daya, but it's not really necessary. Usually just like the avocado mm. and a mixture of that with a bit of the egg-free mayonnaise and you have the grilled tofu and the baby spinach and tomato. And you stick that in like one of those like George Foreman type grills. So you can do abramelin work and still live it up, I guess. Oh, <laughs> no problem. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> no people problem. who are daunted and think they're going to be munching on celery. You know, that's, that's hilarious because, I mean, I, I do things like eat pizza and cookies. and uh, no, I, mean, I, I Don't get me wrong. I eat extremely healthy. I'd say I, 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 I'm a real big fan of the whole 80-20 rule as far yeah. as – the healthy ease because you gotta live you gotta live you gotta have your chocolate yeah i'm always fond of saying i eat very healthy but you'll have to pry the chocolate out of my cold dead body <laughs> fingers <laughs> i will never give up chocolate yeah. i will do things like make it fit my macros i'll do these like crazy double chocolate brownie protein pancakes and put on some protein enhanced chocolate flavored almond fluff butter on top of it and just all kinds of craziness. I'm like, it's 30 grams of protein. It's only 300 calories. And it's all of chocolatey goodness. What's a good yeah, source I, of I vegan chocolate? Oh, it's easy. Um, it's very actually pretty easy finding vegan chocolate, although you do have to read labels because they'll still yeah. stick milk fat into yeah. dark chocolate. And I don't know why. Mm. Why do they do this to us? Why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> why? Oh, gosh. It drives me crazy. I'm like, you don't need it. You don't need it. It's chocolate. You ruined it. That's you the whole point. Chocolate. You're poisoning me. <laughs> poisoning okay, me. So I've got to ask you, Scarlett, like, okay, so you did, um, you did a Bramlin, which is kind of like, it's kind of like the Iron Man of, of occultism. Yes. So, and so like, what do you do? Like, what, what's your next big thing? Like, do you have a next big thing? Do you have like a next big goal or yeah. a couple different goals down the way? Like what, what's next for you? Um, well, I don't know. Magical teleportation. <laughs> Yeah. Go for it. Like, you know what? You know, it's funny that you it, mentioned it, that because I actually did write this entire blog post on the idea of everything I learned about, you know, getting, you know, doing magical work, magical practice, and the discipline involved in it. I, I learned from being involved in physical fitness. And I really think that it's true. The two go hand in hand. You talk about the no excuses. It's a very similar thing with doing your workouts. 
Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to be in the gym for hours on end or to get results. And a lot of people t- seem to think if you do something drastic, you do some sort of extreme thing in order to get drastic, extreme results. It's not true. And done something unhealthy more often than not. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's just it completely. I mean, granted, there's there's a time. I think I did the spiritual equivalent of that. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. these weird biceps that humans aren't supposed to have. You know? <laughs> awesome. I mean, I, I mean, I do things like that. I did a, a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon a month ago. Nice. So, yeah. So I, I, I do do, you know, what some people would consider to be relatively extreme fitness. I, I actually... Consider- you build up to it and train for yeah. it and be smart about it, I'm sure. Exactly. And I think it's a very similar deal with magical practice, with spiritual practice. I don't think anyone should just, you know, jump into something like really intense and go at it for hours on end. I think you, you need to work up to build up to it, learn your own endurance, not just, you know, ob- the obviousness of, you know, oh, okay, what can you magically stand? What can you physically withstand? Because it's, it's all interconnected. You know, you have to, you know, you have to figure out what, what can you work with? Um, yeah. Just learning things, you know, like, um, how my body handles fasting. I have yeah. Right. That. It's not good. <laughs> mm. Well, I love that thought. Because, you know, I remember, like, being at, like, long, like, over, well over 10 years ago and, and being practicus and, you know, you don't get, like, really good training, I think, uh, for, for the spiritual stuff. And yeah. it was like, oh, yeah, do the, the scrying stuff. So I actually remember spending, like, three hours in my own temple, like, scrying every single planet, like, multiple times. And my eyes, at, at the end of it, they literally burned. <laughs> and I called my, I called my practice, like, my eyes are kind of burning. She's like, well, what did you do? And she's like, what's wrong with you? Why did you do that? I'm like, well, no one said to not do it. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other thing too. I mean, it's, um, I, and I see this with a lot of practitioners where um, they're, they're given this ritual and they just, just do the ritual and like, well, why didn't it work? And it's because, well, you don't understand that there's more going on than just waving your hands in the air or just pulling out a couple random cards from a deck and yeah. thinking, oh, yeah, I totally did dedication. It doesn't work. It reminds me of the difference way. between a um, good actor. There's a lot. There's yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He did really, actually. He was nodding at me, and I'm like, yeah, cut her off. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, like, if someone's a good actor... You know, yeah. and they capture the essence of the character. And it's like, oh, you get it. You get the, the vulnerability with the confidence, the confidence born from the vulnerability. You know, all these, like, things that are really subtle. And then, like, someone else comes in and they're reading off the script with absolutely no understanding or thought whatsoever of anything other than just pronouncing the words. And it's like, where do I start? You know, yeah. like... They're just I, phoning it in. Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. like, and, it's, and usually a lot of times I, I notice people literally think that's that's all that is required they just pull out a few cards and, and oh let's just read from a book and see what the cards mean and i'm like that 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 commercial that's not how this works that's not how any of this works <laughs> <laughs> this meme was made for that situation and it makes me it makes me both sad and frustrated because i'm like how do i explain this to these people yeah without insulting them and saying something like you know just pulling out a few cards and reading from a book doesn't make you a designer yeah but but it is true that you can make a hundred dollars a reading at it oh i'm sure yeah 
I mean, I, I've done, I've done psychic fairs. Um, I mean, without I, any I, talent whatsoever, you know. Yeah. It's like, wow. Oh, I couldn't do it. I mean, I, 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 I've, I've done readings for free and done one reading after yeah. another, and it really, really burned me out. But I somehow ethically, it just doesn't. It seems weird to me to. I mean, just for me personally, I'm not saying that it would be eth- unethical for another person to do it. I just, I know after, after my first day, I'd feel weird about it. I'm good with it because I mean it's it's a talent. It takes time. It takes energy, and it's something you know. It's like with anything else. It's like with your art. It's like with music. Um, you know, it's I it suppose, doesn't come yeah. back. It's yeah. you know, it's a matter of you know those persons, people coming in and they're valuing you. They're valuing your time and your energy. And they're coming to you and saying, "Hey, you're an expert in this craft. You know, um, I I would like some of that. Help me out." Right. Um, I've never. In fact, I've gone on my way to like not charge unreasonable fees. I've done bartering in exchanges, that sort of thing in the past. Yeah. I have a friends and family discount, so to speak. But um, I, I'm definitely I'm, – I'm a big fan of respecting other people's talents, time, and the craft, whatever craft it is, whether it's you know they do spell work on your behalf, they do divinations – um, I have a lot of friends of mine who they do that. They'll do yeah. that on the side. And, and some people are in um, better financial situations than others. I mean, I, I work in IT. I don't. I obviously don't need to say you know too much more than that. Of course. Yeah. Um, but not everybody is work who does this sort of thing is working in IT, and that's literally how they're making ends meet is by being able to offer what the gifts they've been given. You know. Uh, from the gods, divine, what have you, and being able to help people with it. So I see that's true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've, I I have a particular a particular kind of brainwashing that I'm dealing with, you know, <laughs> where I got I got all that beat out of me, and you know, whitewashed, and then and then I'm supposed uh, rubber stamped with this ideology where it's supposed to be healing only and that for free. And so then if I'm doing a tarot reading for someone, then I'm thinking it's a form of healing. So I'm thinking if I were to charge them, then I would be a false Rosicrucian or something. I've got some bad wiring. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I can understand it. And for different people coming in from different backgrounds, they're going to have their own take on that. I remember, you know, talking with this um, one woman who owns a store in Salem and she, uh, during one particular season, she was really, you know, struggling. And she confided that to me. And I said, well, well, you know, shouldn't you, you know, I, mean, I, was, I was suggesting her, like, you know, you know, maybe do some Jupiter work, blah, blah, blah. She said, oh, no, no, I would never use magic in order to gain money. And apparently she comes from a tradition. It's just not done. Right. Whereas I come from a tradition of, hey, sure. you have to be able to take care of yourself. You can't take care of yourself. You're not going to be able to take care of others. You're not going to be able to do the magic. You're not do the crap because all your energy is going to go up towards survival, 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 survival. So right. it's treating you from stressing about that. So yeah, I really have to agree with Scarlett on that, which which is that you know, if you don't charge something, if you don't make it worth, um, you know, even if you want to do it for free, I feel like there has to be some sort of exchange. There has to be some sort of like, okay, this is worth something to me, and maybe that's like I can't afford to give you. $50, but I can, what I can do is I can make like a crocheted, co- you know, cozy or something. I don't know what it is, but there needs to be some sort of exchange because there has to be some sort of value attributed to the work that you're doing. Hmm. 
I don't know. That's, you know, I mean, honestly, thing. honestly, thing. I don't know. I, 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 that I've, I've heard that teaching before, but it came from Voldemort. And so it's one of the things uh, I'm rejecting. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but, 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 you know, there, there, it's this, this like, okay, I value what you're doing. And I love that. It's, it's like, I think it's, it's okay to say, you know, look, or you can say, look, I'm going to give this to you. This is my, my gift of love to you. Yeah. Well, like, it's my own healing it's still... process too. I mean, I can't I can't say that like for example, the esoteric nerd is entirely altruistic. It's really my way of reestablishing a sense of community where I had lost it and uh going through and processing my own inner demons at, at, and and dragging everyone else through the muck, you know, along with me. Um It's fun. I get, you know, I guess it people is. seem to enjoy it. it. So, yeah. But, but but like there but there's value in it and I think that just even saying, even throwing out to the universe that there's value in what I'm doing and there's value to other people kind of saying, yeah, this is really good. And this is helping me in some degree. Uh, Again, I I, I don't even think that there, you know, even if there's not a, okay, I'm going to give you something like a, a tea cozy or something in exchange, but just even saying, you know, look, I I know you, I, I, you can't do anything for me, but I'm going to give this to you because I love you. And this is my, my thing. And I, I think that that just establishes value in the thing that you're giving. And I think that's important. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's it might sound morbid, but, you know, I, I'm giving this to everyone and then, you know, hoping that I'll that they'll remember me when I die. And that's the that's okay. that's all I want in return, <laughs> you know, is for people to keep listening to this after I'm gone. But I remember I gave I gave all of my magical tools to um, a woman who was really hilarious. Like I loved her; she was hysterical. She was really, but but at the end of the day, you know, looking back, she was a plagan. Um, a plagan? Yeah. What's and, a plagan? Like, <laughs> you know, she said that she was pagan, but I don't really even think that she. I think that she. I don't think that she. One of blessed be. Yeah, and like I remember, like I gave her all of my magical tools. Now, keep that in uh, mind. And then she was like, "Well, I'm having my pro- this problem with my boss. Can you give me a spell?" And I'm like, "If I had, are my you magical are tools? you kidding me? Like seriously? I gave you every like I gave you every tool that I have, oh. and you want like me to give you like some incantation? Like seriously, we're done." Wow. <laughs> Boundaries, Frater. Boundaries. I, oh, I learned that lesson. That I was gave like, away a painting of oh, myself me. as I've, a baby I've, I've, to an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I think a lot of us um, have learned that lesson, or in the process of learning that lesson, need to learn more of that lesson. Yeah. Uh, just because we're just so, oh my goodness, we want to go out, we want to change the world, we want to help yeah. people. And it's so easy at the end of the day to give so much of yourself to others. You don't have enough for you. Yeah. It's very easy to do that. It's so, it doesn't even, it doesn't even matter like what walk of life you come from. If you're coming from that background, you're, you know, especially people who, you know, they get involved in any kind of spiritual counseling. The whole idea of just, um, you know, a lot of us in the community, um, you know, again, not every, not every person is like this and every magician is like this, but especially the people who, get involved in spiritual counseling. Right. They do psychic readings for people. Um, they perform any sort of service, and that's a very active part of their path. And not, maybe not necessarily even primary, but a very active part. Um, 
working on your own personal boundaries, making sure mm -hmm. you establish them, you assert them, and don't feel bad about that, don't feel guilty, because at the end of the day, you do have to remember, you need to be able to ha take care of yourself, too. Yeah. Because yep. at the end of the day, if you are completely drained, you are SOL for helping out anybody else, and if someone... Yep. You know, you, if there's a situation you genuinely like a fire you have to fight an emergency you have to think of it like as like money a savings account you know that savings account is gone you've drained it up suddenly an emergency comes in a fire you have to fight and you know and you know roof is leaking you know equivalent thereof and you have to spend lots of money on it well there you go you're, you're SOL yeah. yeah so you have to kind of think of it like that and that's actually a good analogy to use um, for money especially people you know struggling with the idea of Money in regards to spirituality, mm -hmm. money in regards to magic, it's just another form of energy. Mm -hmm. And you need some of it, you need enough of it yourself to be able to not just survive, but also you have to be okay with thriving too and not beat yourself up over it because you are just as entitled to do so as anybody else in this planet. Mm -hmm. So I've run into, uh, you know, learning the hard way a couple times where, you know, where you give so much away that you have nothing left to give away. And then, you know, basically, I'm, a, I'm organizing a charity outing, and I'm grouchy, and I'm yelling at people, and then I'm snapping at the nuns, and I'm snapping at the homeless people, and they're like, thanks, asshole, and going off and making the food that I cooked, going, goddamn fucking food for the fucking homeless, you know, I mean, after 10 years of it, you know, and so it's like... <laughs> you hit a brick wall eventually where it's like, yeah. I, I think I need to go meditate, you know, eventually. Not, yeah. You know, a sign that you're, you're burnt out when yeah. you things <laughs> they are supposed to be good. They're supposed to be like, yeah, I mean, obviously people do good oh. things to make them feel good. But at the same time, you know, you, you, you know, it's good to enjoy doing good things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But not to the point where, you know, you have to realize, you know, when, when do you stop overextending yourself? So Scarlett, like you, you've done so much, like you, you've been, um, in so many different traditions. Um, you've led groups, you've owned groups. You're, you're really super famous. Um, like what's, what's next for you? Like, are you going to write a book? I've been toying with a couple of books. Um, I keep going to them, working on them and then something comes raining and pouring down lots of stress in my head and then I went and taken a hiatus and then picking up again once the stress stops raining down my head and I go in these um, sorts of spirals but yeah I've, I've got a couple of one that I'm toying with I haven't quite started yet um, I really would like to write about my Abermelon experience except I'm not quite sure how I would go with it because I don't want to make it Oh, okay. You know, here's basically what I, you know, wrote. You know, as far as my diary entrance online, and oh, here's some commentary on that. And I thought, you know, that's, you know, that might not necessarily be entirely useful. I think some of it might be useful, but it's a starting point. Yeah, it's a good starting ooh, point. Ooh, I've got something for you, maybe. Um, oh. So my favorite book in the whole world is a really weird book. It's it's um, a book of literary criticism, which we, you would think, oh my god, like. <laughs> you be like more boring than that, but it's it's a guy named Roland Barth, B A R T H E S, and the book is t called S slash Z, so it's S Z, and so what he does is he takes this um, Balzac story uh, called Sarazine, and it's about um, this really boring accountant guy. Uh, this is all in France. It's and, and he he falls this 
middle class accountant dude uh, falls in love with a castrato. And like everyone in the band is in their band is like his like hysterically laughing because they think they they have no idea like he it's clear he has no idea like what he's fallen in love with, um, and it's the literary criticism is all about taking like looking at a symbol and like mistaking the symbol for something else, and so it's a really interesting book from from a lot of different perspectives. But I think mm. for you it might give you some ideas on you, you you can structure your experience in a lot of different ways. One is that you've got this very personal core, but on the other hand, it's like, well, how do you extend that personal core to be relevant to someone else's experience? And, and, and what you've done, I think is so important and it's so relevant to people sort of like really, you know, because I think the, the person that, it, that, that introduced me to Abramelin was this Capricorn male um, who will go unnamed. And oh he was so, he was so douchey about it, which is like, you have to do this and you have to do that. And it's irrelevant. Like if you don't have this particular, like some know, kind stick, of platoon commander. Yeah. Oh, sorry. If, if, if you don't have this stick of this particular tree, then you're going to like have, you know, hell rain down on you and the angels will like beat the crap out of you and then like rape you. And then like, you know, beat you and laugh at you and pee on you and like all this stuff. And I'm like, it really like, okay. Like that's kind of weird. Oh yeah. There was a lot of people who have certain ideas and how strict they wanted to things. Oh, it has to be from a tree and you can't have someone else make it for you. And well, well, you know what? I'm not going to be that particular because it's really hard to find almond wood from, you know, trees in Boston um, I don't know when right. you lived in nearby any of them and um, had potential for one thing, but it fell through. But I find this Harry Pond wand manufacturer online. They do custom work. They had almond wood. I had it done. You know, simple as that. And, I, and, and it I love that. was actually delayed. Um, something happened with their almond wood bat- batch. And they weren't sure when more was coming in. And did I want a refund? Do I want a different wand? Do I want to wait? And I said, I don't mind waiting. I trust you. Whenever it comes in, it comes in. And basically, I went in the temper room and said, okay, Angel, um, whenever that almond wand manages to come to me, I'm obviously going to know that I, that's around the time I need to be actually winding down on this operation because I don't know when you want me to finish. And I basically left it open-ended. That's um, so cool. I love that. Because, I mean, some people are like, oh, you know, that there's a six-month version, which is the... Um, McGregor Mathers translation has the six month version. Mm. Then you got the um, the, the Dane version, um, which is translated from the uh, the German, and that one has an eighteen month one. I thought to myself, hmm. well, I hate to put a deadline on my angel and say, oh, it's going to happen on this date. I said, I don't know what I need. I might be the big obstacle in this. I could I could be done cooking in seven months, and oh, do I go for six and rush through it? I don't want to rush. I don't want to drag my heels, obviously. So one of the things I kept doing is I would go in and say, I don't want to rush through this. I don't want to drag my heels. Whenever I'm supposed to be doing it, I will do it. I leave it in your capable hands. You want me to have, be done with this at X date? Be done with this at X date. Um, hilariously enough, it turned out to be that my finish time was winter solstice. Now, when mm. you think about me coming in as a polytheist, especially Greek, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. In the winter... 
um, Delphi, that was the time traditionally Dionysus was honored. And he's got that whole, you know, death and resurrection thing going on for him. Hmm. So it made a lot, a lot of sense. And I thought, oh, winter solstice, of course. That's perfect. And it was just, and it just, that's just the way it worked out. Um, nine months. And um, uh, I have to say, you know, one of the things that is left out of those texts, and I, I was trying to you know, talk with people online and get some sense of, because they just kind of leave you flailing at the end. Like they just, you know, just go off into the world and you have no sense of what the aftermath of not just having done the ritual is, but the final week, what to expect. And people come in, they have, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to try and not have any expectations. But at the same time, you're like, how do I know? I've truly done this. How do I know it succeeded? How do I know it worked? Especially since afterwards what happens is, and I think a lot of people go through this, and I'm not going to say, oh my goodness, this is universal because I don't know. I haven't talked to enough people. But it seems a lot of people I've talked to, they all report the same thing. They step out and it's just like, boom. It's just, you just kind of go into this quiet dead space for a while. Mm-hmm. And you start freaking out. I started freaking out. I'm thinking... Um, I'm going, you know, I, I went back and I started having all these issues that I didn't have until the start of the Abermelon. And I'm like, did I do that for nothing? Was the final week just in my head? I mean, it was, it was a very transformative week. I kept thinking to myself, what if, you know, that was just the result of my ego? What if I didn't actually finish? And I was like month after month after month went by and I, I kept you know doing all these rituals and, you know, and trying to reach out to my angel. Nada. Didn't hear a thing. It was like I hadn't done the Abermelon at all. And I was freaking out. I was completely freaking out. I was, you know, trying to reach out to people privately, like, can I get a divination from you or something? I'm trying to figure out what the hell is going on here. And I was just, you know, talking to a couple of people. I think to myself, I, did I do something wrong? Did I, did the ritual, did it not actually happen? Did I only think I did it? Um, but one of the things that I learned is apparently you know that's normal it's like basically your, your angel just kind of goes into hibernation um and i usually i at least you know i would estimate about six to nine months afterwards now it might be different if you do the 18 month version i don't know maybe he wakes up quicker i don't know i haven't met too many people who've done the 18 month version but i do know that mine lasted nine months and about somewhere around between the seventh to the ninth month or so afterwards was when I finally started having experiences, finally started talking with him, he started setting up with my dreams, stuff started happening, it started gelling, and I went, oh, okay, you're finally awake now. Maybe all those offerings I gave you of coffee finally woke you up. Hello. Wakey, wakey, tofu scramble, and tempeh, baby. Coffee, I'm not joking. I'm like, well, where the hell are you, man? I need you. <laughs> I'm going through this terrible shit. Where are you? But, so, that's, the, um, but that's a really, I, I, I love this, this train of thought because... Yeah. People who haven't done a Bramelin, yeah. but believe that they have this conversation, knowledge and conversation with their higher self or holy guardian angel or whatever you yeah. want to call it. Like, how do you, you know, the people who are like, oh, well, yeah, I've got that. Like, how, what, what would you suggest to them to say, okay, well, this is, this is the difference between fantasy and reality. Okay, that's that is an excellent question. Well, for starters, I think a lot of people have these ideas on what the heck knowledge and conversation is, and it, you know, and to be perfectly honest, a lot of people don't get it, and it's not their fault. It's like a virgin trying to figure out what the hell sex is like. Yeah. 
you don't know until you've experienced it. And that's part of the problem is like, okay, you know, it's, it's not like, um, you know, at least sex, you've got something, you know, mechanics, you've got some kind of experience there, blah, blah, blah. You know, you've got some kind of definition. You can even try and do that with knowledge conversation. But the problem is you can have conversation with your angel, but that's not necessarily knowledge and conversation. Um, some people have said, well, the knowledge part is, you know, kind of like a wink, wink, not just acknowledge in that biblical sense. So it is like a whole, you know, it, you know, it essentially is a holy, you know, union, marriage, whatever, with your your holy guardian angel. Um, how to determine, you know, fantasy from reality? Excellent question. Um, I think it's a lot like with a lot of spiritual stuff. I think you have to look at it from the standpoint of how much of this is objective versus objective. Um, you get into a state of Am I learning something? Am I experiencing something that um, isn't necessarily subconscious? Is it uncomfortable? Does this take me out of my comfort zone? Is this something where it's a continuation? A lot of people think, oh, knowledge conversation. It happens one and you've done it. You've accomplished knowledge and conversation. Um, in my personal experience, I think this whole, you know, what people think of as, as accomplishing knowledge and conversation is really more like initiating knowledge and conversation mm -hmm. and it's an ongoing process I don't think it's something that has a, a finish um, I don't think it's I don't think it's something that's a singular event I think it's an ongoing process and I think that's part of the problem is, is trying to struggle with fitting words and experiences and trying to get that I think if you um, come out of the temple room thinking, you know, oh my goodness, uh, you know, I, you know, I can now, you know, levitate or boil water with my <laughs> mind, um, and you can't do those things, then you, you, you're told, oh yeah, you're totally able to do that. It might be coming from an ego standpoint, but at the same time, I can't necessarily say that either because you might genuinely gain those abilities. I can't tell you that for certain. I can't tell anybody they won't. And that's just, I think it's dumb. I think it's limiting. Um, I think that it really comes down to you and knowing yourself and being honest yourself and being able to say, is this genuinely all from my ego? And being able to prove through external means to yourself. You look for signs, you look for how it affects you, you look for the fruits, you, you see things happening around you. If your life does not change, like if you've gone past that whole, you know, six to nine month marker, nothing's happening, years pass, nothing's happening, then yeah, you, you probably didn't quite get there. Um, I think it's part of the problem too, is that you're, you're not, you may not necessarily be prepared for that and I certainly was and I kept thinking to myself maybe I didn't actually do this and I was just like oh my goodness you know and I, I, you know, I had that blog out there and I'm thinking to myself people are gonna you know they're expecting me to you know shower and rain all this wisdom upon them I'm like well nope actually I'm struggling even more than when I first started mm, <laughs> and yeah. I don't know why and um, you know I think I think it's part of the process and I, I think that people need to be willing to examine, well, what happens if, you know, how would I approach my life? How do I treat this? And my recommendation is you continue doing what you need to do. You continue, you keep up the spiritual work. You keep going into your temple room. If you have to bribe him with freaking espresso, 
bribe your angel with espresso and get him to wake up. Make a joke of it. But whatever you do, don't give up on the work. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your And don't instantly dismiss it. Yes, it's going to be a struggle. You might be depressed. It might not just, oh, I don't feel so. No, no. You might be genuinely depressed. Like you might go through like a dark period. Yeah. I have a, a quick question. I, yeah. um, now, and I, and I, you know, fully admit my ignorance about these things, but, um, now my understanding of the holy guardian angel, if someone were to ask me to define it, I would say it's the real me, the one that is immortal. And that if you put this Edward guy next to this, real me then the edward guy is obviously oh well that's just a shell that's like nothing really and that this holy guardian angel that i that we aspire to connect to or reconnect to or unite with or however you want to put it is uh is is that now am i totally wrong is it an angel named fred that came from another planet instead of what i said or i mean i'm just i'm just throwing that out there as like a conversation starter i think that there is legitimately a part of yourself that is like that I don't think that, that that being whom you are that is exists outside yourself is necessarily the same as the Holy Garden Angel. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure then what the Abermalin work is for or what the Holy Guardian Angel is in that case. Excellent question. Um, well, the idea is basically um, I consider it to be very similar to the idea of just Guardian Angels in general, um, tutelary or... Uh, patron deities, patron saints. It's a similar sort of operation where essentially um, everybody is assigned essentially a, you know, you can have more than one guardian spirit. The Holy I mean, I've, I've seen It's a Wonderful Life. Is yeah. this what we're talking about? Maybe. Um, and I say maybe with quotes. <laughs> the thing is, the problem is um, I hate defining. Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm too mercurial. I'm like, now what exactly are we talking about? Absolutely everybody. And this is yeah, how yeah. you're going to identify with them. This is how we're going to talk to you. And this is how their personality is going to be. <laughs> right. Because everybody is vastly different. You need vastly different things. Okay. Here's a great analogy. Um, fantastic 80s movie. It's, it's totally, um, uh, you may or may not have watched this. Flight of the Navigator. Oh, great movie. Great movie. Okay. You know, after he like he he like, basically kind of like you know the the ship basically like reads this kid's mind. Like before that, he's all like blah, 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 you know, and he's just like totally alien. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he's like communicating, you know, in a way that can relate better to the kid. Oh yeah, yeah. I think kind of where you're going, but go ahead. A lot like the process of doing with your angel. Your angel has to adapt to you. You have to learn how to w- talk with your angel. It's. It's not necessarily, oh my goodness, this is just going to be how it is out of the box. Right. And for some people, it may be that, you know, they have to communicate with what you described, which is more of that concept of the higher self, the, the higher Atman you, and Hindu. Yeah. In order to genuinely reach that holy guardian angel, because that may be your way of being able to handle it. that may be your buffer, that may be the best way for you. Um, so I don't I don't want to minimize that or say okay for absolutely everybody the holy guardian angel is going to be this being that's outside of you. I think in essence yes it is, but it does not hurt you obviously to have that intermediary right. because the holy guardian angel is essentially your intermediary anyway between you and whatever you conceive as divine. Whether you're, you're like me, you're polytheist, you're monotheist, I don't you know whatever blah 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 theist. Right. Obviously for you know. I don't know why an atheist would do the op- operation, but then again, if 
you, you know, you don't necessarily believe in divinities, but you do believe in... They believe in science, right. basically. If you believe in some sort of... The body belief, of accepted information right. that if changes. You believe in some sort of higher form of view. Yeah. That's legit. Yeah. It's legit as far as I'm concerned. If that's, what, if that's the way you approach it, if that's how you handle it best, if that's how your angel best interacts with you... In Wikipedia, we I'm trust. I'm not going to judge. <laughs> it's the way it is. It works for you. Awesome. Two thumbs up. Does it make you better at magic? Does it make you better at your spiritual work? Does it make you walk and be a better person? Fantastic. But um, another thing that, you know, I have, you know, I've talked to a few other people around me is that we've noticed is, you know, we didn't come out of this operation and be like, you know, we're just these, you know, perfect enlightened beings, blah, blah, blah. This shit tends to amplify your personality. So it's good, you know, I mean, on one hand, um, the operation was meant to be for people you know, kind of as a, a kick-starting point to actually, you know, get themselves somewhere. But at the same time, um, it definitely behooves one to do personal development before they're working, personal development during the working, and personal development after they're working because it does amplify your personality. If there's shit you haven't really um, dealt with too well yet, um, probably best to deal with it. Yeah. Do you think that that's one of the reasons where you you see some of the like particularly the mother's reading of of this where it's kind of like you need to be forty years old and kind of like done with yeah. with, with all that I, stuff. I think, it's, Did, I think it's a good chunk of it. Um, I think also another part of it is um, I know with uh, not necessarily with Sephardic but with Ashkenazi the um, the cutoff basically like you couldn't deal with things like the Kabbalah until you were forty. Um, I know that's not the way. I know it's not that way with uh, Sephardic, but I know I, I know it's with Ashkenazi. Um, so that might be part of the reason why. And also, the forty is you know that whole. It's got a lot of you know sacred stuff attached to it as well. Right. You get out of the Bible, blah blah blah. But yeah, there is you know a lot to be said for having gotten your shit together. And it's actually said you shouldn't be younger than a certain age. I think it's like I don't I don't remember. It's like somewhere like like twenty twenty five something like that. Before you do this operation, for that very reason, you're, you're still maturing, you're you're still developing. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, "Oh my goodness, you're going to totally screw yourself up." But the thing is, you know, I look back at myself at like age 19, and that's when I first met Apollo. No, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, it wasn't like I was completely out of it at age 19. I was actually pretty decent for 19, but I was still 19. I still had a ways to go, and you know, just so much. That needs to be um, processed, which I think would make the experience um, run a lot more smoothly. Yeah. Because I, I think for a lot of people, you know, if they haven't done a lot of stuff, they haven't done certain stuff, they still haven't processed yet. I, I think, uh, especially, you know, like phase three and the final week and, you know, essentially it amounts to the aftermath of the operation is going to be that much more um, hard to deal with, I think, and challenging. Well, sure. Like when you have like that whole experience where, you know, day after day you're, you're connecting with, with divine something mm. or other and you don't really know what it is but then to have that like taken away from you for you know s potentially six months that's got to be really painful and it's going to be devastating to someone who isn't really prepared for that so i'm really glad you talked about that because yeah, i don't think that that's talked about right and the thing is you know when you come out of it you're expecting stuff to change because obviously that's the marker and that's you know how you be able to tell okay has anything genuinely taken place here when stuff changes now if nothing's changed and you're like right back to like oh my goodness like what the hell i'm dealing with crap i haven't dealt with since before i started the operation you start to think what what the hell and it messes with your head it messes your head something terrible 
Um, and for some people, you know, it, it could be a three month period, it could be a five month period. Um, I know, you know, at least from my experience, I'd guesstimate between six and nine months. Now, it, it may be that if you do the operation longer than I did, that period might shorten. I don't know. It may also be whatever you have to deal with, whatever you've got going on with your stuff. I had some pretty intense crap to work with. So I am not surprised it took me longer than six months. I am actually surprised it didn't take me 18 because I kept saying repeatedly. I would go and then tell people, say, look, you, you need me to do this 18 months. I'm doing this for 18 months. I don't care. I'm not in a hurry. I want it done right. I want to get it done. I want it done right. I don't care how long it takes. That's a really and good that was my attitude. I, think. I I am digging in my heels, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna do the thing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop doing the thing until I'm done. And that is the way it is. And if it's gonna take me 18 months, it takes me 18 months, and that's you know whatever. But that's how you know, I approach it. It's interesting to me because I kind of think that that in a lot of ways the Golden Dawn tried to mimic that in a lot of ways and. I don't know how successful it really was at the end of the day when I when I think back on it, but if you look at all the initiations from zero zero to uh, up to that adepthood or what they consider to be adepthood, um, they ha they all have a very distinct opening and they all have a very distinct closing. But five six and and I don't know about the the higher degrees. I never got higher than that. But um, at five six, it was like there was this open endedness about okay, well, we're not, like, nothing really closes down. Like, nothing really is like, okay, we're banishing everything. We're, we're done with, with this working. It's like this continuation. It's really interesting. <laughs> hmm. I, I think it makes a, a door. lot of sense. Yeah. Well, it's just remembering, like, with how you're talking about the, the working of a Bramlin, where it's kind of like, okay, nothing, like, yeah, you've, you've completed what you needed to complete, but it doesn't end like the, right. the knowledge and conversation doesn't ever end. It's like, okay, you, you open the door now and you're, you're supposed to develop this. It's not like, okay, you finally found the magic house and you knocked on the door and like ran away. You know, right. uh, you know yeah. it's like, well, no, you have to go in for tea and you have to introduce <laughs> yourself and you have to like say hi and talk about like what's going on. And there needs to be a two way conversation. And I love that. Like, that's kind of what I got about what you were saying. Yeah. It actually, it also reminds me of a certain Capricorn platoon commander, a teacher I once had. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he had pointed out that the actual physical ceremony, you know, is something that happens that just kind of leaves a mark on the astral and on the physical. Capricorns like that anyway, don't they? I mean. <laughs> What's that? I mean, Capricorns tend to be like that anyway, don't they? It's true. Sense. It's true. Uh, but, you know, and that, uh, what was I saying? Shoot. Uh-oh, I lost it. <laughs> Well, yeah, that that the the real initiation kind of happens more yeah. subtly, you know, afterward, you know, in the yeah. years that follow. And then one day you wake up after 10 years and realize, oh, wow, I think I'm finally a neophyte. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't it think finally it, kicked in. You know? Yeah, I don't think this is one of those operations like, oh, my goodness, you know, 10 years and you, 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 you wake up. It's not it doesn't quite take that long. Not all at once. No, uh, no. maybe for but, Capricorn uh, male, though. Yeah, it's. But the realization of the uh, of the of yeah. the subtle I'm sorry, process. I'm so evil. <laughs> it it is subtle. It is subtle, and and again, it's like another one of those things. It's like you know, it's the same deal with with um, with anything really, exercise, this that, and the other, anything like that, where people think, oh, I have to do these drastic, extreme, long things in order to get drastic, extreme, long results, and it's it's not the case. It's 
the results of you know small things you do day in day out i was i remember being just so surprised at how simple um especially you know in, in you know phase one you know and you're adapting to everything like i couldn't believe how, how simple like this is it this is all i do <laughs> you know and um could you give us an example of that because i'm still kind of like a little bit I I'm, I can't I'm I'm not sure what to imagine. Is it like a prayer or is it? Yeah, I mean, basically, um, you know, as far as I, I'll, I'll take you through what I what I did. Okay. Um, but basically, um, in the morning and at night, um, usually they say like you know like like uh, sunrise sunset. But for me, I more or less did. I kept to. I tried doing it in the beginning, but then it, it it came down to it made a lot more sense to do it. Okay, when I woke up, and before I went to bed. Right. Especially given, you know, work schedules, you know, weirdness with daylight yep. savings, blah, blah, blah. Yep. There was a lot of there was a lot of modern crazy that I kept having to do with. So if I, I managed to do it, um a lot of times I, I would I would do this whole um it's a lot easier getting up for for for, uh, for sunrise. If I was yeah. able to do it, I did it. But I would go to my temple room, I'd have the lamp, um now there's a whole thing with that where basically I just lit the lamp. My little tea lights in there. <clears throat> That's actually how I how I did it. Now the whole thing with the tea lights is I was concerned about leaving any kind of you know major candle or anything like that burning for any long period. Yeah, I'm actually really. glad I'd used tea lights. Um, that's a whole other story. But um, <laughs> we go in there, do the tea lights, and basically you know I'd set up with a prayer um, <clears throat> to my gods in particular, gods and you know gods in general above below. I name my patrons. And basically, um, you know, pray to them to assist me in this right, you know, uh, bring to me what I needed. And I had a whole phrasing that I went to and it eventually became um, a ritual. Eventually, I figured out my own starting prayer for this. And basically, you know, this is, you know, this is what I'm, this is what I'm looking for. Help me do this. Help me do that. You know, guide me through it. You know, help me connect my angel, blah, blah, blah. And then basically, I would just, you know, pray to my angel sometimes it would be, you know, fairly quick. There wasn't much that was coming to me. Other times, I'd be, the, I'd be in there and I'd be praying and ranting and raving for oh, half hour, an hour. <laughs> so it was very, it was very free form. Um, I've, you know, and of course, a lot of this depends on your own tradition, your own um, faith background, because I, I've noticed that different people handle prayer and have different ideas on how prayer works. Right. With me, it tends to be, um, you know, I stand before a deity either, you know, in my own mind or like literally like physically at their altar. And I just kind of ramble and rant at them. And it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very free form sort of thing. And a lot of it has to do, you know, I start off with, you know, Hey, you know, these, you know, these are things you've done for me already. You know, thank you very much. Them, it hasn't gone unnoticed. I'm deeply appreciative. I'm grateful. So it goes with the whole. You know, I, I've already acknowledged you in my life. This is all of these things that I, I know you've done for me. You know, things are going really great in this area. Blah 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 because of you. So it's basically acknowledging, like, yeah, you know, um, I'm not coming to you because you know I'm this, you know, greedy little kid. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you're basically also you know bringing back to your sphere of. You already have that connection. You're acknowledging that connection, and this is how you continue to make and keep that connection. Because uh, so much of magic and so much of spirituality is all about making that connection. You make that connection. Yep. 
And then you get into, okay, these are all the things, you're, you know, once you've, you've gotten that, then you basically get to the meat of it, which um, if you're, you're praying for purpose, you, you state that purpose. Sometimes you just stop at the whole, here's me offering gratitude, and, you know, you, and you, you, know you, you, uh, you light the incense, you light a lamp, or you just go on your way. With the upper melon, uh, to start, you only lit incense, um, <coughs> pardon me, once a week. Now, that was the interesting thing because this whole concept of the Sabbath, if you're Jewish, it's one day. If you're Christian, it's another. And I'm like, well, we don't really have that in my faith. <laughs> I don't know. I'll pick Sunday because that's traditionally when I offer stuff to Apollo anyway. So it's kind of like my right. sacred yeah. day to begin with. I don't really have a Sabbath day. So that's how I did that. And then I would light incense on that day. And then phase three, you're lighting incense all the time. But you work up to that. So you're doing this in the morning and you're doing this at night. Now, this could be pretty, you know, it's, so it's very straightforward. I mean, you, you know, you got your candle, you go in there, you're praying, and basically, you, you know, you're, you're basically praying to your angel, and you're, you know, you're communicating with your angel, and the whole idea is you're trying to make contact with your angel, be like, hey, I'm doing this thing, I'm praying to you. Um, now, for some people, you but know, I love that because I get the sense, I get the yeah. sense for me that's like this process, that like yeah. it's, it's a gradual like building up, and I love that. That, yeah. that you're kind of like constantly learning and it's not like, okay, well, it's this day, this day, this day. It's like you kind of go to it like, okay, it's it's almost like like um, an, like a soap opera in a sense where it's like every day is going to be, yeah, you're prescribed certain things, but it's going to be new. It's always going to be a bit different and it's going to build on what you've done before. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And oh, no, that's what I'm hearing. I remember one of the things that was covered uh, during the Abimel is they recommended, like, uh, you know, obviously reading from a sacred text. Mm -hmm. You know, doing that on a regular basis and spending your time, you know, contemplating and, and reading sacred texts. Well, here's the problem. We don't have sacred texts in my faith. Hmm. So um, I had a lot of fun reading through, basically, like, familiarizing myself with, um, with uh, Tales from My Gods. Uh, yeah. It's a really great, great book that I love reading. Um, by uh, Robert Colosso, uh, Marriage of Cadmus and Harmony. I, I deeply, deeply recommend it. It's probably one of the best books I've ever, like, basically retelling the Greek myths in a way that I think is more um, modern and, and brings to essence some of the things I think have been lost in translation from basically dumbing down the myths to the point where they're just stories that we tell our kids. I remember you weren't a big fan of Robert Graves. I'm, it's not that I'm not a huge fan of Robert Graves. Robert Graves is fantastic poetry. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have mistaken some of the stuff he said for actual um, historical context. Oh, that's as what As opposed it... to he's gone off and, like, you know, you know, in, invented some stuff and that's okay. Okay. Um, but the, hey, the book, not... The Greek Myths, where he tells you the story of, like, he made some of that stuff up? Um, there's some stuff that I remember off the top of my head that basically we, we haven't, like, there was, like, some debate in that community, like, did he come up with that? Is there some historical wow. whatever okay. for it? Okay. And they couldn't find anything past that, so they don't know where he got it from. There's this whole, it, 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 it got pretty controversial, and I don't know if anyone eventually found any ancient references for it or not, but it was the whole Hestia giving up her seat in Olympus for Dionysus. Hmm. Okay. And there was this whole debate, and... We, we tried to find uh, any kind of ancient reference to it, and we weren't able to, so we weren't sure. 
how much Robert Graves decided, hey, you know, this, this is my channeling my something new. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, I like the idea of that's how it all started to begin with. Yeah. I'm good with that. But just yeah. make sure that you say it's modern and we're not digging around in, you know, ancient soil like where does this come from? Where does yeah. this come from? I mean, I don't care. I don't think I don't think that older necessarily makes it better. I don't think having it modern makes it somehow divorced from our faith or any such. I love that. Hockey. But uh, oh yeah, that brings to mind also. Um, I not only did that, I also made sure to do a lot of reading and basically anything I, I could get my hands on in regards to um, personal development, anything of that nature, because I figured well. What was the spirit and purpose behind doing this? And I figured right, out, exactly. Making yourself more aware, contemplating mm-hmm. stuff. So I, I definitely recommend that. So if you're in a similar situation or you just want to supplement whatever the heck you're doing, if you if you actually you know you do have a totally text in your own faith and you're doing the Abermelon, do reading on personal development. There's a couple of authors I really just. Love working my way through them. Um, Wayne Dyer was one of them. I like Wayne Dyer a lot. Um, some of Joe Vitality's work is actually pretty good. Um, <coughs> pardon me. There's a lot. There's a lot of really good works out there. Some of it, I think, you know, some of it I think people will find more um, interesting than others. But I, I basically just wanted to make like compiling an entire list. Some of them were new. Some of them were more helpful than others. Um, some some people get a little bit. Um, too involved in the whole law of attraction thing and everybody's got their own interpretation on that. I'm not even going to that. be like mm-hmm. a whole separate podcast right there. Oh my goodness. I could probably ramble. Yeah. Up. Well, we can always do a follow. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely, you know, that, I think it's, I think it's really important. I mean, if there's anything I've learned in the golden dawn, I mean, I, you know, I, I have absolutely no regrets about my time having spent in the golden dawn. I've always said that because the outer order alchemy is basically that it's, trying to force you to do the necessary personal development and personal work before you can actually go out and be a halfway decent magician. Um, I don't feel that the Golden Dawn actually taught me how to do magic, but I felt that it prepared me to be able to learn magic. It taught me how to learn magic, which I, I think is valuable in and of itself. And just the whole concept of doing personal development is just so crucial. And I've seen what happens to people. They rush through it and they don't do yeah. it. They're not doing the work. And it's more than just, you know, mysterious alchemy working its way on you. It's really more like, do you have the capacity to deal with and own your shit? <laughs> you can't Yeah, do and you know, it, it's funny. We're, we're actually talking earlier um, about an individual who I think was given a, a, a title way earlier than he should have. And, and he hadn't really gone through, at least as I saw, like, I think that he was kind of like put into a grade that he should have been in put into and and what happened to him i think is that he got a big bullseye put on him and so all the stuff was coming at him and i just think that without that 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 development without the personal development to really deal with all the crap that's going to come at you um i think it really destroyed him in the end and and it's really sad and i mean i can't say that we were friends um you know before but like you know you kind of look at a guy and you're like wow that that really sucked for him i'm really I, i i you know, I, I kind of pity him, and and I know it's an awful thing to say, but I really do. Like, I I don't feel any sort of negative energy about that person. It's just sort of like, wow, that was a person who just ended up in a really unfortunate circumstance 
because they weren't allowed to do that personal work beforehand. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, hopefully he'll get to come back around and try again, do a little better. But the good news is that my occult trading cards for Scarlet during this <laughs> podcast have gone up by hundreds of thousands of dollars. Nice. So <laughs> I'm excited about that. <laughs> I'm looking at the live trading numbers now, and I can retire in just a few months' time. Nice. Because, <laughs> you know, the occult is all about being, like, it's all about wealth. And, you know, everyone gets tremendously wealthy through all, like, the occult stuff that we do. <laughs> we were talking earlier about um, about encouraging solo practitioners to fine-tune their own method of of sacredness or, or practice or devotion or whatever it is they're doing, prayer, magic. To find, you know, we because I, I I had mentioned um, that I think talking to you years ago about how you had brought in Greek elements and Greek gods into your Golden Dawn temple at home eventually kind of inspired me to do my Tibetan slash Japanese Buddhist Golden Dawn temple that I have now. Well, I think it makes sense because I think you need to make the working space your own. I yeah, mean, it's yeah. one thing if you're only working in one particular tradition, but when you have something that is at the core of your practice, it's why you got involved in that practice. You need to be able to honor that as well. You need space to be able to honor that. Yeah. Even if, I mean, if you see my temple now, it is almost entirely Greek gods. I've got some Egyptian, um, but it's basically, it's, you know, you, you see all of them there. I've got ones, um, set up for a lot of them. I've got little like little working spaces. I have an altar to um, hold the garden angel. It started obviously, you know, with the Auburn melon and I've, I've kept it. It's basically what you, you do. You need to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a central altar where I just do general workings and it basically it's like right in the center of the room, but it's essentially right across from my angel's altar. So it's basically like an extension of that altar. Essentially. Mm, nice. So it's, Basically, you, you need to make the space your own, no matter what tradition you're working in. Even if you have that yeah. stuff in there, you got the paraphernalia, you need to make the space your own. It needs to be something which feels right to you. It's organic. You're not forcing it. It's not something which, you know, you're, you're trying to shove a, I feel like you're, if you feel like you're trying to shove a square peg into a round hole, if you feel like you're trying really too hard, with yeah. trying to fit too much stuff into there. Yeah, I, I, mine got a little cluttered. I had to declutter my temple at one point because it just yeah. it was too much. But yeah, and that's part of it too is is going and revisiting it and saying, can I make this more perfect? Can I make this more? You know, it's like the well, the the opposite of Starbucks. And, well, and and I love that idea about like really thinking about the the relationship with deity and and deities and 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 all of that. Like, do, you know you know, if, if you really feel strongly, you're just going to be only a Greek uh, polytheistic practitioner, then obviously that that's got to be reflected. If you're, you're more open to other things or other, you know, other deities or entities have really had, had that kind of, you know, an impact on your, your, um, on your life and your growth, then I love that you're, you're open to bringing that in as well. That's really cool. I really like that, that kind of expression. I think it's neat. I'm of saying I'm not a god snob. One of the best things about being a polytheist, I'm like, oh, other gods. I may or may not have connections to them. Um, I work with other, um, the best term I've, I've often found to use, which actually also comes from the Greek, is uh, is daemon, the idea of uh, divine mm -hmm. spirits. 
Yeah. It's not specifically gods. It could be, you know, angels, um, the law the, the his you know, dark materials variety, saints, um, other right. other divine entities that aren't necessarily gods because it's an entire hierarchy. In 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 Greek traditions, you know, we have that sense of that, you know, all those different types of beings as well. So it's not just gods and men. And where the heck do you put all these other things? And where do they fit? It just, it just, you don't have to worry about that. You can work with angels. You can well, I love that too because you work with all those types of types of beings. So. Yeah, I know a polytheist who who actually um, also works with even like Christian saints, and it's like you know what, if it works in your temple, that's awesome. Like, go for it. I've, like, yeah. I've, I've recently started working with uh, with Cyprian. Oh, cool! Yeah, he's pretty cool. Who is that? Cyprian. Saint Cyprian. I don't think I know him. He's associated with um, magicians, especially necromancy, a whole whole range of things. But he's basically seen, seen as like a, essentially a patron saint of uh, magicians and magic. So nice. Pretty, yeah. I also have a an altar to Papa Legba. And who's that? Oh, Papa Legba. Yeah. So that's yeah. Uh, from Voodoo. Yep. Very nice. I, I seem to get along very well with any sort of daemon associated with uh, crossroads, boundaries, uh, you know, trickster sorts. I don't know what it is. I, I could blame that Hermes connection, really, <laughs> because Hermes. I could just just say because Hermes, you know, yeah, it, it all work. I always assumed you were uh, the Pythia in a former life. Um, or one of them. One of them. Well, there were many. There were yeah. many. Point, there used to be like I think like three serving at a time or something like that. Mm. I, I'm misremembering, but uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, that's that, that was one of that was the most famous office as far as um, any sort of seership for Apollo. There were a few other oracles. Uh, he was also well known for a lesser, um, including uh, Delian Oracle, which I actually went up starting a website for because I'd like to start doing some sort of more. Um, official divinatory work uh, in order to serve him. It's been something one of those things. It's been kind of an ongoing sort of project. Um, unfortunately, every time it seems that I try to start something like that up, I get reminded, hey, you've got all this other stuff going on in your life and maybe you need to like pull back a bit and, you know, when rethink this at a later date or try to work this in a way that's going to actually work with your, your crazy life and schedule, um, which comes down to that whole, what I talked about earlier in the podcast about, hey, you really shouldn't overextend yourself and, uh, Try to spread yourself too thin and, and be too, you know, be all things all at the same time in the community, absolutely all the time. You can't. Yeah. A, I've got that bug. Sometimes. Fantastic way to burn out and, and get jaded and drive yourself crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> Not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Esoteric Nerd podcast tonight, Sora. And Well, thank you for having me. This was fun. Bye. Bye bye. Have a good night. Thanks, you too. Bye bye. Thank you again, Scarlett, for joining us on the Esoterra Nerd Podcast. And thank you to my co-host, Joe Shans. Thank you to Japanese rock star Susumu Ueda and his father, one of the monks at Jofuku Inn Temple on Mount Koyasan. He and the other monks at that temple can be heard singing in the background right now and in the introduction to all of these episodes. 
Thank you to Brian Dahl, and that's B-R-Y-I-N-D-A-L-L, for providing the album Golden Dawn LVX, which you also heard earlier in the introduction. On behalf of myself and Anonymous, thank you to The Presets for the track Steamworks. As I mentioned before, those of you in the Boston area, keep an eye out for the graffiti art known as Golden Stash. You can't miss it. He has a metallic golden mustache. And if what Joe said before about the exchange of energies rang true, and you genuinely feel that you are gaining something from this podcast and you want to give something back, feel free to go to edward-reeb.com forward slash vhfratterbt and scroll down to the bottom where you can donate. Or if you're tight on cash, just log into iTunes and leave me a review. I look forward to reading it. Thank you all for tuning in. Good night.